0: Well, good evening and happy Valentine's Day. We can all spread a little love in our life. And this is, a, I think, a great saint to, to think about on Valentine's Day since he embodied love, not only as the Mr. Rogers we knew and watched on, on TV for 30 minutes every day, but in his life as a whole. Um, and what I really want us to focus on tonight is that Mr. Rogers, although he won't be a traditional canonized saint, he is an everyday human being in which most of us uh, have fond memories of. And those of us who don't, because we're too young, can can reimagine Mr. Rogers uh, through the movies that were made about him. Or now that Daniel Tiger has his own cartoon, you get a little bit of a glimpse into Mr. Rogers' world. I would also say that um, much of tonight will be conversation. Uh, I think it's good, especially in the times that we are in, um, to keep before us this question, the question that he always asked is, would you be my neighbor, uh, that we would continue to expand and increase uh, those people who are part of our, our neighborhood. So for the first question, um, and we're going to break you up into um, uh, breakout rooms. and about six times. So think about it as building friendships and because you're gonna be randomly put into the rooms each time, it's like you are going to each table and chatting with all your friends. I'm an extrovert, so I would do that. Eat my food and then to go visit other tables. So just imagine we are around tables doing that. So the first question is, what what do you think you know? about Mr. Rogers what do you really know about Mr. Rogers so all right let's go into our rooms to discuss yeah so what yeah. do we what do we think we know about Mr. Rogers i sort of kind of can't answer this question cuz i know a lot about Mr. Rogers right now so um, what do we think we know
1: uh Well, I watched the. uh, I've watched a couple different doc. No, I listened to a podcast series and I watched um, the documentary about Mr. Rogers. So Mm -hmm. I think, I feel like this is, we have a couple more people coming in. So. Okay,
2: no worries.
1: But um, yeah, I mean, I know he's a Presbyterian minister, that stuck out to me.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I know that he, uh, yeah, he very compassionately and kindly, I think, fought the powers that be to present these, um, yeah, these beautiful messages, not just for kids, but for adults in a way that could be really digestible and would communicate across denominational lines, racial lines, class lines. Um, Yeah, there, there was something really kind of, I don't know, pure about the the message that he was trying to give, the way he was trying to work with people that was really subversive. So I remember thinking like it was very Jesus-like in the way that he was operating. So he was trying to undermine the systems um, through a very playful platform. Yeah.
0: So the question for those who might've just popped in, what do you think you know about Mr. Rogers?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think I know he is a Presbyterian Church USA pastor. (laughs) I I mean it's a bit of an interesting question because like I'm imagining a lot of us have seen either the documentary that came out (laughs) recently or the movie that uh, starred Tom Hanks. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah I I would just echo a lot of what Sarah had said where yeah Mm -hmm. it, it was clear to me that underneath this um, I, I just really appreciate the fact that, that Mr. Rogers would tackle such heavy topics, recognizing that, you know, as, as children, especially like weeks, children experience such big emotions and that um, just learning that it's okay. And, and that we can process those is a pretty huge thing. Cause I, I know that for me, I've spent hours and hours in, in therapy, because of big emotions that I felt when I was a child, right? So, yeah. so it, it's it's just I, I feel like it's it's really it was really incredible work that he's doing.
4: Yeah, cool. I grew up watching him. You know, yeah. I'm not I'm I didn't you know I have to watch a documentary and it and I what I'm what I'm you know I learned a lot more about him when I watched the documentary, but as a kid. I'm 64 now, so somebody do the math of when, when it was. But as a kid, I did, it was very visceral. It was like he could, you know, the medium of TV was not, you felt like he was in your living room and he was talking directly to you, to me. And I don't know, maybe from that I in this conjecture, like I always felt like I'm standing up for, as someone said, in a very accessible way um, for humanity you know for and to, and the respect for kids I loved how he really listened and heard and encouraged kids voices you know that they mattered and that they're that to trust their instinct. Of course now you know you're asking me as an adult, and I'm trying to like recall that, but I'm remember I'm recalling the feeling, like the heart, the heart sense opening up. Um, I love the ritual. I'm into rituals. So I love the ritual of his sweater, putting it on, you know. Oh, yeah. I have a new sweater on for my honey. <laughs> you told yes. us to wear it. from Valentine's Day, right? You told us to wear a sweater. And yes, um, you know, when you watch it, it wasn't I didn't know he was breaking ground. It seemed so organic and natural to me to have everybody on you know because it was it was a universal message but like looking back it was obviously revolutionary and you know to convince the networks to have to, um diversity and uh, you know and and kids having a voice and you know, it was coming out of the fifties maybe, right? Fifties or sixties. I don't know. When did he start? Seventies?
0: Sixties. Yeah. Sixties. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So I was like a young adult, very young. I was, let's say I'm 64. So I was born in 56. So I was watching it, you know, and it was in our house. Um, and I tuned into that, you know, fast forward, anything that has a a human um, message, you know, we just came off of a crazy presidential election. You know, you see how how purposeful it is to make make an impact, even in, just with love. You know, today's a love day, right, so.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome.
4: I'm, I'm Fanny, nice to meet you
0: Yes, you too. So, Mr. Rogers had some myths about him. Um, uh, one was that he was a sniper in the Vietnam War, which is not true. And he wore his signature sweater to cover up a full sleeve of tattoos. And that he was one time full of aggression, so he flipped the camera man off, which is not characteristic at all of Mr. Rogers. Um, actually, he when he got angry, as every everybody does, he would play music, write songs, or go swimming. So, um, and all from all of what I read, the person that Mr. Rogers was on TV is who he was in real life. And I find that to be, um, comforting to me in light of all the celebrity pastors and leaders that we're hearing about now um that presented as one thing and then we find out when they die or because of a scandal that they're not actually that so Mr. Rogers was through and through who he was and then he never pretended to be anything other than Mr. Rogers even on um other TV shows, the only time he acted in a, in a show that wasn't himself was on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, actually, as the mentor to the, the guy who was the pastor, because he said he valued children enough to say they can, they don't, I don't need to be, to pretend to be something other than I am. Children can handle who I am and that children as well as adults as well uh, as adults need to be who they are authentically, even if it means making mistakes, it's okay for everybody to see that. So, okay, you can keep going, Nick. So he was born, Fred McFeely Rogers, and uh, if we remember Mr. McFeely, one of the characters on his show, was the mailman who always brought something uh, to picture-picture, which we'll talk about. He was born March 20th, 1928, and if he were still alive today, he would be 93. He was born in Pennsylvania near Pittsburgh, and he lived there all of his life. He died in February... Yeah, he died in February of 2003. His father, James Rogers, was a very successful and rich businessman. Um, And although Mr. Rogers obviously uh, throughout his life had a lot of money, he chose to live a more modest life and uh, did not count on his family's money. Um, And even as he became rich, he still maintained a very, like, everyday person life. Um, his mother, Nancy, um, was dedicated to being a volunteer and humanitarian acts. Um, and he had an adopted sister named Elaine, um, which uh, they called her Laney. And she uh, was based on a character, um, Elaine Fearchild, um, in the land of make-believe. His wife, Joanne actually just died in January, January 14th. So she's also in, the, in the, the Tom Hanks movie. He had two sons, James and John, who you don't hear much about and can not found, find out a lot about because they wanted to remain um, kind of out of the spotlight and have their own life. Um, Mr. Rogers had degrees in music composition, theology and psychology. So he used all of those things to, to fulfill his mission of being a, uh, a television host and a part of the show. So um, yeah, he made all of his music and sang all of his songs, all of, he had handwritten notes of all the shows that you can get if you really want them. And then you could also see the puppets still at the Pittsburgh um, Children's Museum. And yes, he was a, a PCUSA minister. Um, and that is what the open tables connected to. So we have some good people. All right? you can keep, keep going. We're gonna hit another question. So we know that Mr. Rogers used all of his education as in uh, in music composition, in theology and psychology to fulfill his mission. What are some ways that we have that you, um, that your life experience has led you to who you are today, whether it's your education or life experience in general? So we can go again into breakout rooms. Yeah, so I think definitely as a pastor, um, you use a lot of experience to come to that. So I think my education degree is always being put into practice. Um, And then the other ones are theology, so they're more directly related. How about you, Sarah? Uh,
1: This is a tough question. I I studied arts and French, and I am putting those to practice. (laughs) Yeah. I think like a little bit more literally these days, which is exciting. But um, I think a lot of it has been about creativity and problem solving in all my many spheres and wearing all these different hats. Um, and then life experience. I mean, I think even like the I think about struggle and relationship to hard things, um, and those are the things that I think stand out about my past. Um, yeah, I don't know, invite, like, I can see a direct line how those experiences have led me to be interested in these various, like, um, modalities of, like, healing in the spirit of, like, yoga and spiritual direction and those sorts of things. But, um, yeah, so they've definitely helped to form me, but I'm still figuring out where they're leading me. It's an ongoing thing. I can relate to that, too. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, I think of, I guess I think of my own life experiences as, I mean, w- one of the most pivotal ones was my own experience living in community. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up uh, pretty conflict avoidant and, you know, I didn't see conflict modeled very often. Like our, our family is full of laugh and love, uh, laughter and love. And I, I didn't we didn't see a lot of conflict being modeled. Um although I'm sure it was there as it is with every human being, <laughs> you know? And so um, what was interesting is having that experience in community is it, it really, it really taught me a lot. <laughs> Cause it's like, here I am, I'm agreeing to share income, share cars, share space, share life oh. with a bunch of folks that I'm you know, not married to. They're just like people that I don't even know all that well. And I lived there for five years and we had to figure out how to make it all work. And so that, that definitely, Uh, provided me a lot of experience, Uh, not only in that way, but also in, uh, as it relates to, like, my own faith journey, because that's where I was first, I first, like, woke up to the economic, social, and political implications of the gospel, and so, yeah, that that experience alone just, like, totally shook me up in all the best ways.
0: I didn't know you had to share finances. That's more trusting than I would be. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um, (laughs)
2: <laughs> so, you know, that's funny
3: oh yeah did you see in the chat so from from tony uh on facebook uh their experience as a a patient led them to want to get into hospital chaplaincy
0: right exactly yeah
3: that's true.
0: those direct connections mm-hmm. Latia, did you share uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I did. I did. I said about being a pastor. Was
1: oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah, I yeah. Okay, I was okay,
2: like, okay, I can't
1: think of anything specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah you also said, I mean, you talked about being a hospital. I mean, look at your bio, Latia. What about some of the other the other things you do? What led you into chaplaincy, for instance?
0: Yeah, I, I would say the same, my experience of, as a kid being in the hospital. a lot. So you either like become afraid of the hospital hospital or it just becomes part of who you are so like okay yeah
1: that's really yeah that's really beautiful I was touched by what Tony shared on Facebook too in
2: regards to that
0: all right so Mr. Rogers knew at a very young age that he had a sacred call so all of his education led him to his his experience at public television. And mainly because he realized during that time, um, public education wasn't always guaranteed to people who were poor or dispossessed. And so he was really, he really wanted to make sure that everyone, especially those who were come from disadvantaged backgrounds had that same access to education, which is if you remember a lot of his shows, all of them probably had where you would look into picture picture and you would learn things like, how do you make a magazine or where do all these things come from? Because he wanted to make sure that as best as he could, were providing the education that some were getting in schools um and when uh the the senate wanted to um decrease the funding in the senate he spoke uh and got more funding actually so they wanted to decrease it by half he ended up getting more funding saying that Uh, This is how children learn how to deal with those complex feelings, whether they're dealing with divorce or war or anything like that. So he wanted to make sure um, that as children grew up, they learned as best as he could teach them how to deal with those complex emotions. There was 895 episodes. There were a couple of years where he... uh, he stopped the show cause he felt like he had done everything that he uh, was meant to do. And then he came back um, and then his last show was on August 31st, 2001, which is just a month, not even full month uh, before the 9-11 attacks. And so he then got back on television and uh, did a 9-11 special because he felt like he still had something he could say to offer to uh, the country um, in light of um, 9-11. And because he had for so many generations of children been able to address uh, hard things when they happened in our country, Um, like the assassination of Dr. King was one of them. So he was not afraid to to touch those taboo ch- uh, topics and those topics that adults thought might be too difficult for children to understand. Okay, you can go to the next one. So here's our next question What do your daily rhythms communicate about your daily life? So think about maybe not today, maybe not this weekend because it's been cold, but typical what is your day? What do you do in your daily life? And in light of the pandemic, it, might have shifted too, but what do you think your daily rhythms communicate about your life okay we can go into groups again what it communicates about my daily life is that i don't like the morning time <laughs> so i like to stay up late um and also yeah i don't know that i have an actual daily rhythm every day kind of looks different and i think things around it are are the same, like work and school and those things. But other than that, it's kind of whatever. I'm not really a very structured person that way. So I guess it communicates that I don't value structure that much, <laughs>
1: okay? I relate to that, Latia. Yeah. I, I think it's more like, for me, my daily rhythms sorry hang on there's like other noise in the background here okay um i think it's that um when my daily rhythms i do have daily rhythms so when they get out of sync then that tells me about my daily life that like i don't know stress chaos something is out of balance um and when i'm not i guess inviting like healthy rhythms because i'm someone who i think really really uh, thrives on structure, but I've resisted that forever. But I think it's like really helpful for me to like have some of my big emotions and all of these things. If I can have ritual throughout my day or things throughout my day, just simple things like making coffee. Um, my dogs help me with that. Cause you know, like they eat at the same time, roughly, although they haven't eaten yet. <laughs> yeah. <or it's> sad. <laughs> yeah. And go outside at the same time. So those things are helpful, but yeah, they when I get out of sync with those, then I feel like it's a sign that that my life is a little out of balance, kind of a hidden gift in that. Nick, what about you?
3: Yeah. <clears throat> um, I think my daily rhythms communicate that uh, it's very similar to Latia. <laughs> I mean, we both share the same number on the Enneagram. We're both sevens. And so I, 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 I kind of go back and forth where it's like, I love routine and then I hate routine, but then I love it, but then I hate it. I want to get out of the box. And so if anything, I, I think it shows that I, I get, I don't know. It's just like, I love variety. I love spicing things up when at all possible. And I love even within the, the daily rhythms, I like to offer, <clears throat> I like to spice it up by like, maybe figuring out a way to make the thing fun that maybe hasn't been fun in the past. And so I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, okay, so it's like, I got to go to Costco, but I know I can get a, a, a berry smoothie. And so I'm going to love going to Costco because I'm going to get that <laughs> smoothie. Right. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm very much motivated apparently by rewards.
0: <laughs> That's the seven. <laughs> all right anybody want to share about what they think their daily rhythms might communicate about you somebody were to look at them I've come to the conclusion that if someone were to look at my daily rhythms especially during the pandemic they'd wonder if I slept because I do things at one in the morning sometimes yeah um any others we found
5: ourselves uh very much struggling to remember the before (laughs) like there wasn't I don't know like it was really hard in our group that was one of the things is like well we don't really remember that so let's just talk about I guess during pandemic times and what we wish we could be doing or uh, yeah that was Mm -hmm. just a theme
0: we talked about yeah thanks Emily Well, Mr. Rogers lived a very disciplined life. I think if I were to put him on the Enneagram, I think he'd be a number one. But in terms of that, he was very intentional about everything that he did, that it would communicate the inclusive love of God. So here's his schedule. At 5 a.m., he would do prayer, reflection, and Bible study at 5 a.m. Sometimes I'm going to bed, so that would not work. And if I'm, uh, if I were to wake up, um, I would not be conscious enough to do prayer, reflection, and Bible study. But then at 7.30, he would go to his local pool. So he would always go to the same place, swim, and then he would weigh in. Um, Again, so for him, his spiritual life uh, was holistic in that he read the Bible and and prayed, but also that he cared for his body. Um, and first, as a young kid, he was overweight and was teased. So as an adult, he was intentional about staying 143 pounds, which for him communicated uh, the message that he. Uh, he that it's supposed to communicate, I love you. So that um, the one stands for the I for that one letter. And then the four would be the four letters of love. And then uh, you, so the three letters for the word you. So a little bit, I think way more intentional than I would be, but he maintained that way until his death. Um, And then he would, go about whatever his work day included and be in bed at 9.30. Um, he didn't eat meat uh, for theological and health reasons, but mainly because he couldn't imagine himself um, eating anything that had a mother. So he had a high, a very high view of um, women and uh, especially those who were mothers. So, so I don't know that I could uh, write down that schedule in that same way but and I don't know that I want that to be my goal quite honestly but that's just probably my my enneagram number but for those of you who want to be intentional in that way um maybe during the pandemic uh, as we're still in this is a way to think about what are some intentional ways that you can communicate God's love or those things that you value. Okay, so we're gonna go back into a, um, a breakout room and we're gonna think about what do we remember most about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? What do you remember most about Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood?
2: I
1: didn't watch a ton of Mr. Rogers when I was a kid. I do. I did watch some on PBS. Um, I think what I remember most is the song. The song really stuck with me because I was pretty tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, it was like it was the whole ritual of it, right? It was the mm-hmm. it was the sweater, it was the shoes, it was, um, yeah, the whole thing. And I think I found that even at a young age really comforting because um, it was familiar uh, and it felt like a real home. So I remember that. I, I remember
0: even, I mean, I haven't watched in years, obviously, but I, re- I can remember distinctly distinct episodes, which is, the, it's so weird what your memory does, but one, um, when he would go and feed the fish.
3: Yeah, I don't even know. So the whole deal, so I did grow up watching it, but <laughs> my memory is not photographed. So I, I forget a lot of stuff. I do remember him going to talk to like what is it like King Saturday or King Friday, Friday or something
0: King yeah, Friday right. the
3: Thirteenth. That's right. Yeah, I remember him. I remember him uh, going to speak to him uh, all the time. I just remember him just kind of like putting his hands up on the rock and just like having a chat with these little puppets. <laughs> um, that that was like the main thing that I remember. It wasn't until like way after the fact that I was like oh okay this is probably what was happening within me (laughs) because I've been trying to pinpoint why I loved it so much because I remember that was something that was talked about in the documentary it's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) like everybody's like wait how did this thing work (laughs) (laughs) you know because it's very slow moving um, intentionally paced but yeah it almost like I'm realizing that there's like a there's a familiarity there like what like with what Sarah was saying it's like yeah, you always know the cardigan's coming off you always know the shoes are going to get switched it's like all those things are almost like liturgical elements of, of what is mr rogers neighborhood and it's just like you you come you know what to expect this is what's happening and then you know how it's going to end and so yeah you can you can do a lot of stuff in the middle knowing that lot. that other stuff is going to frame it up you know
0: you have to teach the church to should be 30 minutes and resolve in the end, whatever it
1: is, just resolve it in the end
0: (laughs) with a
2: song.
1: Amazing. I remember the fish too, Latia, because I had, um, that was my first pet, like my pet that was mine. I got a goldfish in Sunday school which I think my parents were like what the heck like don't give (laughs) children live animals during Sunday school but yeah I remember him feeding the fish because it was like oh I do that I do that too yeah Yeah.
0: that was my first that was the only pet we were allowed to have we had a fish tank, and I would watch it. So, like, when he would feed his fish, I would go over and feed the
1: fish. A that fish. is so cute. What was yes. your uh, fish's name? I, it,
0: goldfish. I mean, I wasn't creative like that. It was just a fish.
1: <laughs> Mine was named Alicia, which I think is really funny because I think I just really liked that name and thought, like, mm-hmm. if I had to choose a new name for myself, I would choose Alicia. So, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Alicia the fish. She lived for, like, I don't know. Over a year. I think my parents were not expecting that either.
0: Yeah, we, I remember we kept getting different fish eventually. <laughs> like we have multiple fish.
1: Yes. Yes. I wonder how many fish Fred Rogers had over the years in his fish tank. Yeah, I don't know. Probably, or I mean, fish bowl. Was it a bowl or a tank? I'm, I think it, it, was, was, like- a, it was a, tank. it was a tank.
0: Yeah, I think it was a tank.
1: I'm going to look it up. I bet you're right, though.
0: I think it was a tech. <laughs> okay. okay, so what do we remember most? I'm assuming Jeremy likes Daniel Tiger. That's what he remembers most. <laughs> um, Anybody else want to share what they remember most? I Daniel remember... tiger. Oh, Daniel Stripe Tiger. Okay, yes. The the goldfish that he would feed the fish every time. Anybody else wanna say what they remember? Okay, so uh, I've been talking a lot about, and there's a a group of us talking about liturgy, which is the things that happen um, during our church service. Uh, So if you think about any church that you've been a part of, even the open table, There are things that we always do. And so that was, that's what we call liturgy. And so Mr. Rogers, although he never um, proclaimed to be a pastor while he was on the show, never mentioned God, um, even though he would pray um, as he was doing each show silently, there was a liturgy and those things uh, always communicated his values, which are unconditional positive regard, um, stability and comfort. Um, He created a liturgy that was easy enough for both kids and adults to understand and it was wrapped up in 30 minutes. Um, He called people to worship through song. So there was a beginning song and an ending song. And even at the beginning, there was always that yellow stoplight that, that signaled for us that it was time for us to slow down. Um, and I wonder if we, if we still had those moments that would signal for us to slow down, um, how much kinder we would be. Um, he invited children into an alternative reality, whether they were having, growing up in bad situations at home or not, he started with, it's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, um, that we're going to make the most of this day. So he created this space at least for 30 minutes, that this was what your day was going to be, that you were going to have at least one adult paying attention to you for 30 minutes. Um Somebody said something in the chat. Can you read that out? Someone read it out for me.
2: I just said that it had never occurred to me that the yellow stoplight was calling us to slow down. Yeah, good. I love yeah. Cool. Thanks.
0: And he wore priestly garments. So if you and more traditional liturgical churches, and 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 in a lot of Presbyterian churches, especially. Around the time that he would have been doing it, um, you wear robes. And so for him, his priestly garments were the iconic sweater and his sneakers or shoes that he would wear each time. Um, He invited children to use their brains and their imagination. So right now in the larger society, especially in the Christian world, um, it's almost this Trying to have a dichotomy that you can't, you can't use both your brains and imagination. That you can't believe in science and God, and yet uh, Mr. Rogers invites us to use both and to integrate those both things into our our lives. And again, he wrote hymns or songs so that we could, uh, we can even recall them now. Um, he invited children uh, through to discuss hard topics through puppets. Most of the puppets um, were parts of Mister Rogers. So Fred Rogers was most closely tied to Daniel Striped Tiger. Um, Elaine Fairchild was his sister, loosely, um, and and then the others were parts of his um, personality or things that he wanted to um, make sure to address. So if you think about some of the most popular, um, popular puppets, um, you had Daniel Striped Tiger who was um, shy, but gentle and vulnerable you had King Friday the 13th, who used this power, took control, but was made more caring by his wife, Queen Sarah, or his son, Prince Tuesday. You had Henrietta Pussycat, who only communicated uh, by meowing, and yet everybody understood her. And she was able to be friends with a neighbor who was most unlike her. Um, X the owl, who was very curious and wanted to explore his surroundings. And then you had Lady Elaine Fairchild, who was very opinionated, eccentric, and always stirred up trouble. So he used these puppets and his show to address things like racism and divorce, very um poignant to whatever was going on uh, at the time. And it, this picture is when the pools were still um, segregated. And so he was very intentional about putting his feet in the pool of an African-American person to communicate to the children that even though adults were having a hard time with this, um, it's really not a hard thing that, um, that no matter what your culture is, that we are all neighbors. All right, so here's our next question for the next group. Which puppet from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood did you find uh, related to yourself? So we had Daniel Tiger, who was shy. Um, King Friday, who used his power to control, but was softened by the love of others. We had um, Henrietta Pussycat, who communicated through uh, meowing, but uh, everybody was still able to understand her. So all these different puppets. Yes. Did somebody talk? Stop. Okay. Um, so we're going to go, which puppet do you think um, you related to most?
1: Latia, you start. I want to hear. Okay.
0: Uh, I think as a kid, I would be Daniel Tiger because um, I was super shy, even though you can't believe that now, but <laughs> super, super shy. Um and now i would maybe be a lady elaine fairchild kind of eccentric
1: and not really caring so that like <laughs> i'll be whoever yeah that's amazing um i i think it's definitely same child and adult uh henrietta Was <laughs> cat? i'm
2: sorry yes <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. Um, an enneagram four, so I don't know. if People on Facebook will know what that is, but just yeah, that like wanting to be individual and unique. And I feel like her communicating and just her
0: own way. <laughs> like,
1: except- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes. I I just, yeah, As a kid. I thought she was like cute. Like you know, that's cute. I wanted to relate to the cute puppet,
2: mm-hmm.
1: the pet puppet,
2: mm-hmm. or
1: have pet vibes and um, yeah. But I, I think that that still rings true. Like just trying to find people who can who can hear me and people who share that kind of like <laughs> unique <laughs> communication style so.
3: this is a hard one I don't know I mean is there a puppet that just wanted affirmation all the time because I feel like I would have been that puppet <laughs> <Did I?
2: laughs> I'm hearing too much here. I know, I know. Too much truth. <laughs> I, mean,
3: I, I, definitely, I mean, I definitely probably would have resonated with, was it the owl that was super inquisitive? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, X, I think I would...
0: X the owl. He didn't yep.
3: even have Yeah, so, so I feel like I would have been that one. So, you know, I would have been more curious. What do you know? I, I was probably the kid that just asked why all the time, like way too many times and just annoyed the living daylights out of my parents <laughs> and so and everyone who was around me. but yeah, th- th- there would have been a lot of that. and um yeah, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah.
1: I feel like that's what was so beautiful about those puppets though now watching the the various like shows and listening to podcasts as an adult is that I feel like depending on the day and the mood, like it was a different puppet that you really connected to (laughs) or learned from. And you were like, you could see yourself in each of them. And it reminded me of like, um, almost like Inside Out before there was Inside Out, like the the idea of Mr. Rogers, like presenting all these different um, sides of ourselves and all these different voices and managers with like internal family systems almost. There's his psychology degree coming forth to sort to sort out like what is going on internally within us through these various puppets, really, really ingenious and like a high production, but low tech. Latia, have you seen any of the new Daniel Tiger stuff?
0: No, I haven't. Me neither. I mean, I, not, have a reason I feel like to. I can't watch those things because I don't have kids. Like, no, exactly. excuse to watch, <laughs> like, sit there and watch. Like, oh, I, don't, I don't know what Daniel Tiger does, but he 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 moved on up. He got his new. He got his own show.
1: Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, oh man. Man. I was late to that game too. I didn't realize that was like a Mister Rogers thing until probably like last year. I I don't know. I think I'd forgotten the names of. Of the characters the name of that puppet in particular a little bit of an upgrade because the puppet looked a little rough over time i remember
0: <laughs> yeah i know yeah. but i think that was his oldest one because he did a show before mr rogers and i think daniel tiger was his oldest puppet so it looked rough okay <laughs> All right, anybody want to share if they remember any of the puppets in particular that they relate to? We already know Jeremy. I said uh, Daniel Tiger when I was a kid because I was super shy. And then probably uh, Lady Elaine for your child now because I'm just opinionated and kind of eccentric sometimes. I don't know what that would be. Um, okay. Okay. So to think about uh, Mr. Rogers throughout his whole life had spiritual practices that sustained him. One, we we did a little bit of that practice um, as we started today. We had a moment or a minute of silence. He would invite um, not only those um, who were part of the graduation speeches, but also just those he would connect with. He would invite people to have a minute of silence and think about the people who love them into being. So silence was one. Prayer was another. Um, Something that he did every day. He also um, would pray uh, Taze prayers um, because he was friends with Henry Nowen. And Henry Nowen would teach him practices of prayer. And he would pray as he swam. And he would pray for those he encountered or met. On his journey, um, he was very um, methodical about his prayers in the in the way that he would write. Um, he would have list and list, and then check up to see how how those people were doing. And he wrote many many letters. Some of them you could also find at the at the museum in Pittsburgh so here's our last question for tonight what spiritual practices have or continue to sustain you um, especially during these covid times and it doesn't have to be necessarily like reading the bible or some sacred text i know during the beginning of the pandemic what was sustaining me was um plants my plants so i like planted seeds and watched them grow and nurtured them to feel like there was changes from one day to the next so what spiritual practices sustained you especially during this COVID time and this one might be a good one if we could share aloud, because maybe um, something that is sustaining you might be helpful for someone else so we can break into groups all right spiritual practices that have sustained me. So I think early it would be the plants. Um, but they have since all died. I don't know what that says about. I was going to ask you, because <laughs> <laughs> I got bored. <laughs> you know, let's, one no, that's not true. One, I still have one left, and I think it's because it le- it needs it doesn't need a lot of attention. So as long as I remember to water every now and then, um, and then now
1: I would say it's writing or journaling. Mm, yeah um mine has been dancing i've discovered that yeah i don't know i part of it was like reading reading about in a couple different books um resma was one of them like talking about metabolizing like um metabolizing trauma and feelings and emotions in the body and like um yeah doing that through like big movements um because we tend to be told i think a lot that if you're trying to process something go into like meditation or a quiet space which is helpful it can be but i found like with the pandemic and everything that's come up i feel like it's been um yeah just dancing and trying to find joy and big movements within my body has helped to like give me energy then for the for the next thing it's been a fun discovery i've enjoyed it nick laughs at me
0: well you should he needs some dance too
1: dance party thank you yes i have like
3: once or twice
0: <laughs> so what has uh, sustained you nick
3: yeah that's a good question i mean so sarah and i are in the middle of a spiritual direction program and mm-hmm. so i don't know anytime i engage in that practice like as a spiritual director or if i'm being directed um like that is something that sustains me because, you know, there, there is a lot of stuff, you know, you, even before the pandemic hit, you know, it, sometimes I would not share what's going on emotionally. This is why I really resonate with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is it's like, what do we do with all these big emotions? I still got them. <laughs> and unfortunately, patriarchy teaches me to not share them. And so trying to shed that, like, is like, an, like a, it's always going to be an ongoing process. But uh, having spaces where I can just kind of, um, where I can kind of let the different pieces of me out and not judge them and hold them with compassion has been a very rich spiritual practice for me because I, I have had a lot of, lot of feelings about my feelings depending on what they are, uh, in the past. So that that's been one thing. But then the other thing that's been that's crept up is just. Um, I realize and maybe it's just because of all the change that's happening within the, the pandemic but I've been really liking really simple liturgical pieces so it's like so I realize a lot of the stuff I'm sharing is is more like this stuff would be more like group based but it would be like I really enjoy um, times where folks can just share openly their own prayer concerns and, and there's just a bunch of silence there that's been like Really, really, really life giving to me, and us coming together and just saying something simple like "Lord, hear our prayer." That's been something that's been very meaningful to me as we, uh, as a way to connect.
0: Yeah, that's good. Cool. I think you need to watch some more Mister Rogers. I'm sure they're somewhere. Because he, he's he's very like open with his feelings, and I mean, especially for someone in his generation, I think that was even more not typical.
1: Yeah, there seemed to be like a real, uh, like femininity, I guess, like a softness or something we would associate as feminine with Mr. Rogers. I always, I don't think it came up in these different spaces, but I often wondered if, like, yeah, if he got a lot of pushback because he did not um, exhibit this like hyper masculine in charge, pastor leader vibe. I mean, it was just a really, it was real. Everything was so subtle i mean he, i guess he got pushed back in the show itself like it not being exciting enough or something over time
0: and yet he didn't change it he said okay well, this is what it is yeah all right i think everybody's back uh, so uh early on in the pandemic Like I said, one of the spiritual practices that sustained me was uh, plants. And then I I also confess that except for one, all of them are dead because I've got bored with them. (laughs) But what's sustaining me now is um, writing. So anybody want to share some of the things that are sustaining them during this time of pandemic?
2: I'm on my phone and I'm not really sure this is my first Zoom on my phone before,
0: so. It's definitely a different orientation for sure. Yeah, um,
2: Our group was, um, well, we were, we were really sharing a lot about, all of us happen to have children who are quite young, three and under, and we were all sharing about just the ways that like caretaking has had these like really lovely moments of spiritual practice kind of built in whether that's like singing um songs meditation songs to songs hymns before they go to sleep or just sitting quietly with them as they're falling asleep or when they get up in the morning and that has been kind of a more sustainable way than trying to like carve out some time to dedicate and like label as a spiritual practice but just to have that that moment together with them yeah cool thanks for sharing anyone else
0: um outside has been
5: really important when it's nice <laughs> uh it's been really been really uh, helpful to to connect with like all the really cool things that you can do outside like hikes and campfires and um we talked specifically about the magic of like off-leash dog parks and you just watch these magical dogs run around and hang out with each other and it's funny and it's fun and like all the fun things that, so that's something. And then something for me that like uh, the TV and movies, honestly at night, the storytelling of, of finding a series that's really interesting and intriguing a lot what we do at night
0: so yeah cool thanks all right Nick if you can play well how we'll end other than announcements that's what we'll end with for sure but uh if you can play the clip first and then we can end with the last song Um, but I found this clip and I thought in light of particularly the political situation that we find ourselves in Um, Although this was done because of 9-11, I think uh, his words might have some comfort and wisdom for us tonight.
4: I'm just so proud of all of you who have grown up with us. And I know how tough it is some days to look with hope and confidence on the months and years ahead. But I would like to tell you what I often told you when you were much younger. I like you just the way you are. And what's more, I'm so grateful to you for helping the children in your life to know that you'll do everything you can to keep them safe and to help them express their feelings in ways that will bring healing in many different neighborhoods. It's such a good feeling to know that we're lifelong friends.